I want you to succeed at things that you never thought were possible, and I want you to fail at things that you never thought were possible. But I just want you to take that failure and move forward. Doing backwards hats? Should I backwards hat? Why not? This is this is how you wear it, man. <laughs> All right, let me put you in the middle and start this shit up. Ah, <laughs> uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. I am your host, El Ray. Let me take this frame away. Me, me. I'm your host, El Ray. Um, if you like what you hear, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube and Perfect Audio, Facebook and Perfect Audio. It seems like a lot of people kind of staying with the Facebook and going back and watching it there, so that's fine. I really don't care. I don't expect to do millions for another two weeks, so I'm not worried about that at all. But um, you see me talk a lot about ownership in every episode. You see my shirt. It says ownership. Hashtag don't worry about that necklace because you can't get that. Um, And... You know, it would be just stupid of me to tell you to own a bunch of shit and not tell you how to do it. So I figured, why not bring in a professional? This is the professional right here. Bam. The king, not the prince, of real estate and (laughs) (laughs) S-curls. Both those two things. So we're going to learn something today. Either I don't got it enough anymore, but you might have enough to do that. But um, Lou, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you uh, bringing me on and... uh... Hopefully, uh, I can give you guys some little bit of knowledge that you guys can uh, hold on to and uh, do something with. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, give me a little background because I kind of ran into you, you know, just in football and don't know anything before that. And as far as, obviously, I'm in Florida now, so even after that and kind of how you built to where you are. are You You mean you ran into me in the the locker room on the uh, old uh, website? (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I mean back when we was just, it was just a forum and we were just talking shit back and forth and waiting two days. Yeah, so Let me see if this motherfucker saw me talking shit. All right, I, <laughs> yo, funny story about that. I talked so much shit in the forum one time. We played against the main team and I ran out on my first route and it was fucking four people on me and I was like, I'm not this good. <laughs> like y'all, y'all, y'all read way too much into this shit. <laughs> That's the honest to god truth. I was fucking dying. But, um, like, you know, family, wife, kids, where you living at, where you from? All right, so uh, I'm from Brockton, Mass. I was born in uh, Boston. Ooh. Uh, I, grew, I grew up in Dorchester, moved out to Brockton when I was 10. I've uh, been here ever since. And if you were from the hood, you know how it is out there in Dorchester. Some of the, you grew up on Bowdoin Street, um, Draper. Ralph Life. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't fine. And, I, and we walked everywhere when I grew up. So, you know, we had to get out of there. We came to Brockton. Uh, I've just been hustling since I moved to Brockton, pretty much. We had a poor, poor, poor family. I had four brothers uh, and a sister, 
in my household, where I also had four other siblings outside of the household, if you get what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. My dad, uh, my dad was a wandering man, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> Yes, I, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> More ways the, than one, the, I know. Uh, the money didn't spread too far when we needed things. So I had a paper route when I was like 11. I delivered like 110 newspapers every day after school. Had to be home by like 2.30. You did the shit after school? Right after school, 110 People used to do that like in yeah. my neighborhood. They were doing that shit at like 5.30 a.m. Uh, it was three three o'clock. The papers had to be delivered by, and on Sunday mornings had to be there by eight o'clock in their houses. Damn. And the Sunday morning papers were ten times the size of the regular newspaper. I know. The day. Paper roots. I mean, what happened to that? We need those back. We need some. They they gave it to all the adults. Like, the got a little bit safer, but people got a little bit crazier, so they don't want the kids to deliver papers anymore. Yeah, that's what. But Weird. I like, I remember like there was a program. Can't. Can't get like a little paper job or anything nowadays. You gotta wait till you're like 14 to work a market basket. Yeah, and then they'll tell you you're not old enough yet. <laughs> yeah, so I, I ended up doing that for like three and a half years, and I saved every, pretty much every nickel from that paper out, and I bought my first car when I was 16 with that money. Damn. What kind of car was it? It was a 1988 Honda Accord LX with the flippy lights. Damn. You are, you do live in Brockton. <laughs> <laughs> All you had to say was that. I would have known the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, tried the college thing, graduated high school, went one semester in Massasoit, and honestly, I'm just, I'm bored with school. Like, there's nothing that you can teach me in a school that I can't do on my own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, back then, if I wanted to do something, I would just figure it out. I you mean, so, somebody asked me, they were like, when are you going to go back to school? And I was like, this was like maybe eight years ago, and I was like, never. Like, I wouldn't go back to school unless it was to be a doctor. Because obviously that's what you have to be in school for. But when it comes right. to marketing, you know, and different aspects of everything, you can't teach people how to sell. You can teach right. them how other people sold before, but you can't teach right. people new ideas. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, this is, and, and sales is like, there's so many different personalities. There are so many different people. You got to read them and you got to be able to tell who's ready to go, who's not ready to go, who's looking, who's just thinking about, you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly who, what you mean. When you decide if Uncle Bob's going to let him just buy the house. If, if, you know, if listen, in ten years of hosting Tropic Bowl, if somebody doesn't ask me how they get their passport, I just go, "Why the fuck did you even sign up? <laughs> what do you think you're gonna get your passport the day before we leave?" Right. So I just know X. Let me X you off the list right now because that's not gonna work. But um, speaking of sales, why are you the king of real estate? So about so I got that nickname maybe eighteen years ago. My old uh, office manager, and I was the new kid. I started real estate when I was 22 mm -hmm. in sales. Um, one year in 2003, I think I sold like 15 houses in one month. God damn! Like I put under contract 15 houses in one month, like literally every other day. And he's like, ah, oh. like the king's in the building. You know what I mean? They were like <laughs> monthly prizes and stuff, the most sales, and they had the most listings. So then. Maybe like two years later, I made my first logo for the King of Real Estate. Mm -hmm. But it really never stuck because social media wasn't what it was like it is today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were on MySpace, but we were playing games on MySpace. We weren't interacting with people the way that norm that we're doing now. Obviously, yeah. You know what I mean? So MySpace never took off with the real estate. Um, and then come 2016, uh, I, I basically restarted my life. There's a, there's a crazy story in the middle. Maybe for another day, maybe tonight. I don't know. You can, I mean, it's up to you. 
This is an imperfect podcast, baby. You got a crazy story. I like crazy stories. I'm crazy. So, I started real estate in 2001. Before I started real estate, I was the office receptionist mm-hmm. at this real estate company. And before I was doing that, I used to be a body piercer, right? So, my girlfriend... Where was that? Where was you doing that at? You wasn't doing that shit in Brockton. You was doing that shit in White Town. No, so... Crazy, even crazy. My life's so crazy. You doing that shit in Hanson? I can tell you stories for weeks. So, I'm one of the reasons why there is a statute for body piercings in Massachusetts. Because way back in 1997, I used to travel house to house by referral, piercing. <laughs> Always thought ends, eyebrows. You know what I mean? Lips, mm-hmm. whatever. Nipples. Um, and you made it out without any. And that's why I made a living doing that. Paid my bills, just thirty bucks. Oh shit, it's, it's good money. There's no question about that. Right, right. Yeah, and, and back in '97, nobody piercing really wasn't a thing. Yep. I myself am pierced 15 times. I just don't wear any piercings anymore. Ah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I was traveling around just doing piercing, piercing, piercing. My ex from back then was not happy with the kind of money I was making, like most females nowadays usually. Sorry, ladies. Um, so she kicked me out. <laughs> so she kicked you out. Kicked me out. We had y'all we had, had an apartment, kids. or what'd you what'd you do? Kids at the time, we had one kid that was a brand new kid, um, and then my daughter was on the way, and I was taking care of my two younger brothers because my parents got divorced and they couldn't agree where to go. So I took them in, and I was nineteen at the time, taking care of three kids and one on the way. God damn. You know what I'm saying? A little apartment, three bedrooms with five people. Uh, I was taking care of my two teenage brothers. They went to Brockton High. Um, I got one of my brothers got into the military. I forced him to go because you're 19 years old, taking care of teenagers. You got to help them direct their life, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, I, the military, I'm never sending anybody to personally. I mean, maybe Job Corps. <laughs> well, at that time, it was like it was either. No, I, you. Were, I mean, you were young, so you you trying yeah. to figure out shit for yourself. My brother was working at Hollywood Video, and I'm like, well, you're not working at Hollywood Video. It's not a career, so you got to either go to college or go into the military. You know, that was the only two options I gave him. Mm-hmm. He chose the military, and he did his thing. Um, so after the body piercing, she kicked me out. I was back at my original apartment uh, when I first had. I moved out when I was 17. Um, so I ended up back at the original place I first moved out to, and I was like, damn, man, this 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 kind of stinks, you know? Yep. And, uh, so I was in on the couch, so I picked up a newspaper, going through the wanted ad, looking for a job. I found the job for a receptionist. I'm like, I could do that. The want ads. Yep. Holy want- shit. <laughs> I forgot all about that shit. The want ads. And I was literally, like, I was done with working, like, hard, like, with your like your 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 body, you know what I mean? Because I yeah. used to work at United Liquors, delivering kegs of beers, um, and 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 you know the, all the bottled liquors and stuff like that to all the um, bars in Boston, um, and all the restaurants down the Cape, yeah. things like that. And I was just tired of working hard, and I started my first real like non hard working job was like H and R Block. When I was nineteen, you know, my mom was like, you know, came from Cape Verde. I'm first generation American. I'm the first in my family born here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would have me do her taxes when I was like 13. Yeah. Right? So I had been doing her taxes for like five, six years already. And I was like, you know what? Let me get a job at H&R Block. Didn't really pay much, you know, but it was not going to break my back. For sure. You know, back 
rent was like four hundred dollars back then. Three a three bedroom apartment was four hundred bucks out there. Not where I not where I grew up. But yeah, you know? <laughs> this is in Brockton. This is the prices in Brockton, like ninety seven. Those weren't the prices in Brookline, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Those were not the prices there at all. <laughs> so uh, I get the job as a receptionist, and you know I'm this young kid. I'm twenty. I just turned twenty two. And eight months goes by, I'm just listening and I'm watching people. And one of my, my office manager, he was like, he's like my idol at this at this point because I'm just watching all the stuff he's doing. He did the the first condo conversion in Brockton. He took a, a old funeral home and converted it into eight condominiums. And that was the first time it had ever been done outside of Boston. So I watched that, and one day he comes roll, he rolls into the office, and he's like, I made like fifty grand today. I was like, what? I'm like five zero 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 zero. He's like, yeah. I sold like eight of the condos myself, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "If you can do this, why can't I do this?" Correct. So I went out and I got my license. Studied, took the, I took the classes on the VHS tapes, popped them in, put the headphones on, watched it. That's how. Hold on. That's how you got into it. You took. You just took the VHS. So you didn't go to like a, a actual class or like one of those accelerated courses. That was the courses. school back then. It was. Uh, it was VHS tapes. You oh, go to a shit. school and they just give you like twelve tapes. And then you, you just come, take the test after. Yeah, you sign it out, watch it at home, or watch it there. Oh, damn, that's crazy. And then when you're ready, you just you go take a test. So, your current job title, you're a realtor, you're a broker, and um, if you could, just explain the difference, and then kind of like the hierarchy of how you would move up in real estate from position to position. So, realtor is like a union. It's not, like, I'm not a realtor. Mm-hmm. except in Rhode Island. This is a weird story for another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it was my choice, I wouldn't be a part of that association. It's probably going to a lot of people be like, oh my God, look what you said. Da, 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 da. But whatever. Um, because I've been in real estate so long, I've seen a lot of ugly stuff. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the shady stuff that went on before the big crash. Yep. I've seen a lot of people get messed up in their financials. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not by me, but like just from the people around me. I'm like, why do these people like? It's like greed takes over. You know what I mean? People like steal. People will. Oh yeah, of course. And at that time, where you could just push mortgages on anybody, it was like, let me get this and close it, and I'm gonna make my money and I'm out. Like to get your dog a house. Yep. That's how easy it was. It was like people wanted a house that bad. You know, and and the thing that, that that killed a lot of people was they never refinanced in time. Yeah. They never want to pay. They want never want to pay the the prepayment penalty. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. It was like you just pay the prepayment penalty, whether and waited that after that year, and the prepayment was a little bit lower, and you refinanced and rolled that prepayment penalty into the new loan to pay it off. You wouldn't have lost your house back then. All right, well but, you're confusing people. Hold on, stop. Broke? What are you a broker? I'm a broker. All right, so give me the difference between broker, realtor, and if there's a higher level than that, let so, me know. The, the broker is basically the highest level you can be at because. You're able to employ other agents underneath you. They can work underneath you because if you just get your real estate license, you can't just go and start selling houses and advertising homes for sale under a brokerage if you're not a brokerage. You can't just be like, all right, uh, Ray got his uh, agent's license and a salesperson is called, which is an agent. Um, you just open up Ray Darden uh, FTL real estate mm-hmm. until you get your broker's license. Okay. And as a broker, you take on all the liability from your agent. So it's like you really got to be picky of who you take on because 
I could take you on, and I could take this guy on, and I could take this other guy on, and you're fine. But these other two guys are like stealing money from people, not giving them the, you know, just doing like illegal things. Uh, I'm responsible for that, of course, because they'll take so down your got, whole business. Exactly. It's like I got people calling me all the time, like, oh, leave me a message. Oh, he wants to come work here, but he's not on this or he's not on that. And I'm like, I don't want to work here. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as obviously owning anything. I remember somebody saying, I could do your job. And I said, yeah, you can, but are you willing to take everything that comes with, you know, shit when it falls down? I'm going to fall for my people. You're not. That's that's the difference in everything. Um, what do you think impacts your success in real estate more? Your personality and skill set or your school and your mentors? I think it's more the willingness just to help people and make them make sure they're in the right uh, place when they buy a house. A lot of people buy houses for the wrong reasons. You know, sometimes they wait too long to make that jump and then they're in a rush. Well, I got to be out of my apartment by the end of October. And well, next week's uh, the end of uh, September. How are you going to be out in less than 35 days? You know, then they go just buy anything or they get into the wrong rental unit. You know, then they wish they'd never done it. You know, I always tell people, like, take your time. Like, I'm the last person that's going to rush you to buy a house. You know, I'd rather you buy the right house than just any house. And then hate you when that house, something goes wrong, or you waive your inspection because that agent told you that's the best idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's... And I I see that a lot. I I mean, obviously, and and, and kind of we'll get into it down the road, there's different aspects of how you should go into those type of things, and and, and we'll talk about... um, those type of things. I mean, do you re- do you recommend this business for people, and do you feel that there's a certain type of person that's more successful than others? So, in real estate, you can make good money, you can make great money, you can make phenomenal money. It really depends on your work ethic. How good are you are at what you do? Are you honest with people? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be upfront with them? You know what I mean? I work every day. I haven't had a day off since the Fourth of July. So real estate's not for me, everybody. But it's it, you make <laughs> want to make it. Like if you work four days a week at your job now, you're gonna make four day a week money. Mm-hmm. If you work four days a week in real estate and go hard those four days, you're still gonna make good money. And then you have three days off a week. Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on what you set your goals at and what you think you right. should be achieving at that point. It's really how you structure it. You know, like I'm up every day at like five thirty. And in the first like two hours of my day, I'm just emailing, texting, Facebook messaging, you know, lining up the rest of my appointments of the day. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, 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 I it's funny because you know, you look at. Did you say? I didn't even say how many kids you got. How many kids you got? Since you said I have two, three kids. Three. You only had one after those first two. That's it. Good move. Don't have any more. Yeah, I'm 42 now, so don't have any more. I got a 24 year old, a 19 year old, and a seven year old. Damn. Tired. <laughs> Um, being like playing uh, playing football, playing semi pro specifically, like you know, we look at it. You see the young guys that all want to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the league," and then and, and and they don't understand what should be taken from it, and they don't apply themselves in the right way. I, I've seen some of the best athletes I've ever seen in semi pro that didn't make it, and I've seen you know some people that are just the hardest workers that they're not the athletes that are playing there as well. There's a reason why you're playing there. You know, I this is like. One of the guys that was on my team was the fastest person I've ever met in my life. And I'm not joking because he has the times to prove it. A URI, he had a 200 time that was in the high 20.9, which is this faster than Randy Moss and was playing semi-pro. 
I mean, he went on to win Survivor, so he got famous somehow, but there was something, obviously, that was not able for you to transfer over to that level. So what I say to guys all the time, because they say, oh, why don't you come over, play over here, and get a ring? And I'm like, I don't care about a ring. I care about mentoring the young men that are under me and the friendships that I've developed playing sports. So I wonder, is there anything that you took from playing football into this business, whether it be a skill set or, like, people, anything like that? So I had this like I did a live in our locker room a few weeks ago, and uh, the ba- the biggest thing is people are scared of sacrifice, right? You know they don't want to wake up early, they want to hang out with the boys late at night, they want to go meet that girl after the club, uh-huh. stay out even later. So that means they don't wake up, they don't train like they're supposed to train. You know you got to work hard. You know I didn't become one of the top agents. You know I think I finished like top seventy five last year in the state. You know, which is it's hard to do because I'm not in Newton selling million-dollar properties. I'm in Brockton. Right? I, I can get you there. I used to live there for 10 years. I can sell twice as many. <laughs> right? But these guys don't want to work hard. They don't, show, they don't want to show up to practice or they show up late or they stroll through towards the end, right? They're not, they're not doing film as much as they should. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're, not, they're not perfecting their crafts. You know, Jordan didn't become Jordan because he was shooting 20,000 free throws every morning. You know what I mean? Like, he worked at every aspect of what he was trying to accomplish. You know, and that's what I do every day, day in, day out. Um, I don't go home until I feel like I've done enough work, you know, because there's 24 hours in a day. You know, the, the most successful people in the world are up at 4 three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Look it up. Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg. Yeah, I mean, know. I see that shit I, I, a lot, and I don't buy into it. I, I am working my ass off all the time, but as far as the waking up early thing, I hate when I see that shit, because I'm like, I know I work hard on these motherfuckers. I wake up at like 6.30, so it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm you know, waking up at fucking 12 and 1, but some of the most successful people I know, you know, from, that came from where I came from, not just came from fucking a small million dollar alone. They still wake up late, but they just piece up stuff in a certain type of way. But yeah, I, those, those are like on cruise control, though. They don't really have to do much to get going. For sure. Um, I would say, like, especially because we do have this in a couple of groups. So, to, so dudes that are playing football, like, just in the time that I played, because I think I played maybe 10 years of semi-pro, it, my, my, my partner in FTL, Ralph, you know, fucking yeah. family. We're family. It's not even it's not even close to that. So you develop those type of relationships, and then obviously with me, you know, starting the Tropic Bowl. I remember my last year that I played. Somebody said to me, "Oh, I got a ring, and I'm glad to see. I was glad to see you walk off the field upset that you lost." And he was like, "You just got your Tropic Bowl ring." And I said, "That's funny you said that, but the thing is, is I'm not a motherfucker that came to play at Tropic Bowl. I'm the motherfucker that created it. So right. if we both walk into a bar." And I have on my tropical ring, and you have on your Taunton Championship ring. And somebody asks, what is that? You go, oh, it's a championship ring from a park league with eight teams in it. And they asked me what my ring, and I said, oh, it's a ring from an international event that I started that helps more than 300 kids a year. So, so there's a very, very, so very big difference there. That. Huh? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like still pissed that I did that a few years ago when you had asked me. <laughs> I want to go down. Oh no! I mean, you could. We, we do it every year. We're going into the tenth year, so that's that's not an issue at all. The the opportunity is there, but I mean, it's a combination of like what you said, taking the risks 
when you talk. A lot of people talk that shit, and that's why we're doing this podcast today, because you hear a lot of people say, hey, man, I'm going to grind, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to own some properties, and, I'm gonna, and now I'm going to fucking tell you how to do it, so now you're going to have to make up another excuse. So my, on to yeah. my next question. Why is ownership important? So ownership, why is why would ownership be important? Because you're owning it, it's yours. You know, no one's going to tell you what you can do with it within reason. You, you know what I mean? Like, and it's a safe safe place to to put your money. You know, because people don't think about it that way. They think they have to pay. Oh, if something breaks, they go to fix it. Well, if your car breaks, you fix it, right? And a car, uh, just to kind of expound on that, a car is a depreciable asset. As soon as you fucking drive it off the lot, it loses money. It's rare occasions that a house does that. Of course, but they'll fix the car first before the house. Correct. I've seen it. I've gone into houses where they fix their cars, they have the best cars, but sometimes the house has been neglected a little bit. And um, But imagine in 30 years, you buy a house today, right? If you don't have a 401k, if you don't have an IRA, if you don't have a savings account, if you don't have extra money put aside, if you don't have a life insurance policy, but you have a house, guess what? In 30 years, that house is going to have zero payments on it. Whatever it's worth, whether it's four hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or six hundred thousand, is it more than the other five things that I just mentioned? No, because if it is, everything buy, everything else is. You have fucking cars gone. Everything else that would be there is all gone. The cars are already gone. You probably got like fifteen cars in thirty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that house is yours the entire time. You know, people people think it's like oh, it's like a um, like a liability. I think it's like uh, like you're renting space. That's why you pay the tax to the town. Mm-hmm. You know. That's why it's important to vote because your money that you're paying, whether you're a renter or you're an owner, gets paid towards the tax. The tax is, to me, is a rent to the city for that space where your house is on. So you can do the things you want to do. And if you need a police you know, to come to your house, that's where you pay for part of the money it goes to. That's for the teachers to teach your kids, for the firemen, you know, for the ambulances and all the social the don't say services the police. they provide. <laughs> Whatever you don't say the police. <laughs> that money gets all distributed. In, into those into those areas, you know the DPW for the, you know you have a clog in the street. That's part of that money that you're paying, and that rent goes there. So you're, I'm more looking more like uh, I'm paying for this space, but I borrow the money to build what I wanted on there or buy what I wanted to be on that space, right? And in 30 years, maybe it's not your last house, maybe it is your last house. But guess what? In 30 years, no matter what, that money that you have when you're I'll be 72, 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Hang out in Brockton the rest of my life? Correct. I mean, when you, I, you could put it in a whole different perspective because a lot of my demo is, is minority and, and the explanation of ownership in minorities in cases, you, you see what Lou said earlier. You know what I'm saying? He's first generation. His mom's from Cape Verde. There was no ownership given to him. It was start from rental to this. So now the start as to when people go, oh, why did Donald Trump get a small million dollar loan from his dad? Because of real estate and because of ownership. So now... You know, say you died at 72 and the house is paid off. Now the kids, you leave an, a legacy that's more than, you know, the way that you hustled everybody for years. No. There's no hustle when it comes to life, believe it or not. You might win a fucking half of a day, but you being able to get ownership and purchase a house wins yourself a life and wins yourself an advantage for the people that come after you. Right. And, and to me, it's about giving them something better that wasn't able to be given to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have any extra help. I didn't get any child support to help take care of my little brothers. They're my little brothers. I took care of them. Yep. I mean, I got that second job if I had to. I got a third job when I when I needed to. I used to work overnight 
at United Liquors, pack in the warehouses, then I hit the East Bridgewater Shaw's and load up the trucks there. Listen, I was I, straight hours, you know what I'm saying? Six days a week. When 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 there was no Uber in Cape Cod, me and two of my friends were the only three cars there. We were just driving around Cape Cod for the night, doing only trips there. We were the only people there. So when we were you on the pager? Yeah, what happened? You have a pager? <laughs> nah, I'm not that old motherfucker. I had a, actually I did have a Cape Pager before. But um <laughs> on to the on to the next question. What are the top three things? you need to do before house shopping because my uncle was a broker and um, I just want to hear what you have to say about it. So somebody's like, you know what? I want to buy a house tomorrow because you know people are irrational as shit like that. I'm buying a house tomorrow. What's the first thing you tell them? What's the first three things you tell them? I tell them, come on in and we're going to sit down we're going to run your credit. See where your credit's at so we know what programs you qualify for. And then from there we're going to check to see... Uh, what payment you want to be at so we know where you're comfortable at because you go on and buy a house but then when you find out how much the house is going to cost you you can change your mind real quick you know i get a lot of oh we want you know two thousand dollars a month but then the house is you know 620 and it's a forty five hundred dollar mortgage they're like oh hold on a second i don't want that house anymore like, let's find out where you're i don't think it has anything to do with the house <laughs> more than right. more than two that payment <laughs> right so it's just finding out there where the comfort level is right and then mm-hmm. going from there you know, and then, then browsing. I mean, don't be in a rush. If you're not in a rush, houses come on the market every day. So I'm going to set you up on my email list, and I'm going to send you my stuff that I get before it even hits the email list, right? So they're getting, like, a little exclusivity on some of the houses that we get on the market. Um, and then when you're actually really serious, we'll start going out to open houses. We'll start going out so to what is real? So, so point being, what is really serious? So let me give you one that I'm sure you hear all the time. I got pre-approved on Zillow. So let's go. I already looked at some houses. No. I usually tell people then, I can't work with you. Or <laughs> if you want to work with me, the only way I'm going to work with you is if you work with my mortgage broker. That's the only person I trust to get the loan done. Because I've been through, you've seen my rants on Facebook, I'm, I don't know if you have or not, where a mortgage broker either is very deceiving or doesn't tell the truth or you know just makes up excuses and then people's deposits get in jeopardy. I kind of put them on blast because they don't take any accountability for their for for their actions or so, what they're doing. So I mean, in that in that case, like, because my uncle used to say, whatever you did online, that shit's bullshit. A real yeah. pre-approval is a real pre-approval. Unless yeah, you're sending your out. bank statements, unless you're sending your info, you don't have a pre-approval. Pay stubs, bank statements, two years tax returns any retirement accounts we look at all that before we go look at a house so for anybody else watching if you did not do that you're not pre-approved you, you're not whatever pre-approved. they sell online that's bullshit you're pre-qualified because what most people do is they're like um i think i make fifty-two thousand dollars a year and they really make 46 yeah but they put in 52 on those apps and they don't really know what the pmi amount is and then the zillow will put in automatically 20 percent as your down payment there's a lot of things that come into play. They they're not realizing like, oh, I'm putting in all the wrong information here. What is a, a logical down payment for somebody to expect? Because I mean, I, I I maybe put down fucking two percent on my house here. <laughs> so realistically, three and a half percent is an FHA product as long as you have a qualifying score. Um, we pre-COVID, COVID kind of screwed everything up for everybody. Um, so in January, we used to be able to do a 580 credit score at three and a half percent down. Which means your credit wasn't really that good, but it was on the verge of getting better. Yeah, so I'm just gonna st- 
for everybody that hears that, because everybody thinks their shit needs to be at seven hundred to buy a house, this man just said a fucking five eighty. And this is what I always tell everybody. I don't know what's gonna happen after COVID. So now it's it moved up like in like March, April, it went up to like six sixty for the same loan. You know what I mean? Then they started creeping it back down again. So now I think it's like six twenty you you need. That's the absolute lowest. If anybody tells you they can do it lower, watch out for the hidden fees because that's how you're getting it lower because you're paying for it. What's you know, the lowest credit score you ever got somebody house? The lowest? Yeah. Four three crash of two thousand and eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, not fucking pre, not Bush time. The big short years. <laughs> so no, I'm gonna need a stick and some oil. You got a house? Yeah. Five, Five five eighty has been the lowest that we've gotten somebody into a house. Nice. We've gotten in that five eighty. I mean, I've I've, I've met people with four hundreds that we've gotten up to five eighty to get them into the house. I mean, the four hundred is usually like you don't even have a fucking credit card. We're gonna get you one credit card. It's gonna go to five eighty. A four hundred is like you really don't pay anything on time for a long time. <laughs> for a long time. Pay this shit for two months. We can get you a house. It's like I, I've been there. I know what it's like. It gets overwhelming. It, 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 we've all been there at one point. For sure. We've all behind. It's like you know what? No, Donald Trump has not been there. But yes, we have. Either. <laughs> um, do you recommend first-time homebuyer programs? Why or why yeah, not? It's, it's always good to get the information, but a lot of agents are going to hate me for this. But it's okay because I pay my own bills. So, um, first time home buyers class. Some programs uh, require it, right? Like uh, there's some FHA, like Home Possible, or with the conventional loan will, will require it. Um, but a majority of the stuff that you see out there, the, the first time homebuyers class and yada, 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 that's really um, like banks will call us and say, like Harborn calls me all the time and, and like Rock and Trust. And there's like a mortgage broker that I absolutely hate there, which is fine. Um, they'll say, oh, we want to put on a first time homebuyers class. Do you want to be the agent that uh, we, uh, you know, use as like the. He has our guests there. And I'm, I'm like, and I've sent some of my agents there. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Because they'll get, they'll get new, um, new in front of new people. You know what I mean? So like, they'll meet people they've never met before. Yeah. You know, and the bank's going to say, hey, you know, these people are the best of the best, which we are, but everybody's doing that. So how can everybody be the best of the best? You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times it's just a, a, for a poll to bring people in. If they get 20 people in, they're hoping to at least pre, you know, get 10 of them interested right away to get pre-approved and buy a house through that bank. You know what I mean? So, so, I, so, so I guess the question, think more in the eyes of a consumer and how it would benefit a consumer versus not benefit a consumer. So it's it's a good thing to go to get the information because you are going to get some information. Yeah, a lot of it's usually brief. But you're able to ask some questions, maybe get some one-on-one -on -one time near the end. Um, but it's always good to get more information from different views because everybody's going to tell you something. Maybe local banks will have different products than a mortgage broker will, than or other banks will. You know what I mean? So um, get the information because information is power. I always try to know as much as I can about everything I'm trying to do. Um, and because you, you don't want to go into buying your first, you're not buying a pair of sneakers. You can't return them in a week. Unquestionably, I mean that's a, that, that that's a great statement. I always collect as much information as I can going into anything. That I mean for sure. I mean, I've been through the program, so in my you know experience, I knew a lot because I've actually been through a real estate class before that. But I told both my daughters they need to take it before anything because without the mortgage, without the house, without anything, it tells you things that you don't expect to go into 
when you're owning a home. Like, you know, luckily when I got into my home, some guy rolled up within the next three days and was like, hey, you want your lawn cut? And I'm like, sure, how much? And he told me, and he'd been cutting my lawn ever since for five years. So I'm like, but that's one of the things that, it's like when somebody tells you when you get your first apartment, the first thing you buy is a plunger. You don't think right. about shit like that. And and all of a sudden, now you got overgrown grass. And you're like, shit, I don't even have a lawnmower. How am I going to do this? So some right. of those little things when it comes to home ownership, you forget that you can't pawn that shit off on somebody else anymore. And you have right. to have a guy for this, this, and this. Yeah, so when I was like 23, I bought my first house at 23. Um, my friends would come over. and be like, you got a grill? Like, it was like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yo, but that, yo, listen. That shit speaks volumes because it's funny to us now, you know, being yeah. in a position where we're like, okay, we feel that we're we're comfortable, not well off, but comfortable and always grinding to get to the next level and, and aspiring to get to the next level. But somebody that's, I remember somebody said, marinate, you throwing so many big words at me to me. And I said, what the fuck? Where did you go to school? Right. Like, it's some, <laughs> you, you, we on the path that we go take for granted some of the stuff that people just don't know because you know whether the school system's bad or they just didn't go to school at all and somehow skipped through it or whenever they came in like yeah motherfucker I can tell you how to get a grill outside your house (laughs) (laughs) um go ahead I think the thing is people get more scared though because it's such a big step you know what I mean but it's like you you want that freedom when you get older. Like when we're kids, we want to move out of our parents' house eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, you know if if you're content with the rent, you know situation, then that's fine. You know, not everybody's going to own. You know, and I understand that. Um, it's just like not everybody's going to be a doctor or an NBA player. For sure. You know, everybody follows where they fall in life. If you're content, which you know, if you're happy, and that's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but you have to invest into something because I don't think Social Security is going to be taking care of any of us when we're old. Nor should it because I think it's like what you said. Everything is overwhelming, but it's within arm's reach. Right. So we want to, we want to, we want to, we want to, we want to make it so your arms don't have to be that long. <laughs> and we're in this day and age too. It's like we're in an information world where you can get any type of information you want if you have the power to go look for it. You know. Some of my friends, they got the best deals on the airplane ride to Aruba and, and the hotel and under $800. But if you ask them how to do, you know, change a freaking light bulb, they're like, what? How, what? What do you mean? How, how do you do that? Like, what do you mean? How do you do that? Like, Google it. People are scared to ask questions. Yo, I said, me and my wife were talking about this shit the other day. And I said, it's crazy that, you know, you, you, we grew up with essentially cassette tapes and when when cars had you know a one CD drive and then a six disc changer and now you have the entire music catalog in your fucking hands and we're dumber, right? How does that make sense? Because you don't want to ask those questions. You don't right. want to go and ask. And I get this shit a lot. Like, yo, I ask you, bro, because you know everything. And I'm like, no, I don't know everything, but I want to. And that's the fucking difference. So when I'm wrong and I don't know it, I'm willing to ask and learn it. When I hire any agent, that's one of the first things I tell them. Don't ask me anything that Google can answer for you. Bring me the hard stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I want the hard questions. I want the, the, the big challenge on why you can't get this house sold or whatever. I don't want to know, you know, where should you put the sign. I mean, you know? in Brockton, it's probably like, well, two motherfuckers <laughs> got shot outside this shit. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like, that's what happens everywhere. You know that. 
That happens everywhere. Not maybe not in Brookline, but you know, <laughs> not in Newton, baby. Save the city, of the United States. Think about it this way: nobody's ever come to my house to shoot me. Me so either. Me like either. And I live right in the middle of the hood right now, and and yeah. it's funny because like I don't even have this shit written down. But when I got to Florida, I was renting. And then um, there was an issue with the roof, and we were like, to the landlord, you got to fix this, the, the fucking roof. And he was like, no, nah, I'm probably just going to sell the property. And I was like, well, how much are you going to sell the property for? And he was like, probably uh, 60 cash. And I was like, how much with a mortgage? And he was like, 70. And I was like, I'll take that shit tomorrow. 70K. So this was... And that was just to save, like, what, five grand, 10 grand on a roof? This is for, this is for, <laughs> I was like, I'll buy that shit, and I'll, I'll, I'll fix the roof the next day. And this is when I was doing good. I'm not doing good anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get back there. I was almost hey, we'll there. Go down, we'll go right back up, man. That's all it is. It's your will. So I um I ended up going through the mortgage process. I bought it two years later. Uh, the shit's worth 140. I did the roof, redoing the the garage, and and it's worth 140. So you, and, and another thing is that the very big difference between Florida and, and Massachusetts real estate right now is that. The front part of my house, which is only 920 square feet, can rent for $1,200 on a fucking $400 mortgage. And the back part of my house, which I refinished now, can rent for another 1000 To do that in Massachusetts, how much would that property have to be worth? To demand $2,200 rent a month, how much would you be paying for that property? At $70,000 dollars No, no, no. I'm saying... If you were oh, renting, right. no, say I bought something and I went to rent in Massachusetts, and I wanted to demand twenty two hundred dollars rent. How much do you think I paid for that property? In Mass. I don't think I'm following your question. So there's a martinis I drink. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol other than this. But alcohol. now I'm drinking water to like wake up. See so. that the El Rey. <laughs> Take that. No. So what I'm saying is, right now. With that mortgage, I could rent my property for a total of $2,200. In order to rent a property okay. for $2,200, if you went in Massachusetts right now and bought something, how much do you think you would have paid to own that property to then rent it for $2,200? Oh. To break even? I mean, yeah, even? I would imagine. Make money. 320 Can you hear me? No, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah, you're back now. Oh, is it uh, to break even? Yeah. So in Brockton, that'll be around three twenty-five. Yeah, three hundred twenty-five k. So that's why when I tell people in Florida, why are you renting? Go buy this shit tomorrow. It makes no sense. And then they're like, "Yo, I flip houses." I'm like, "Stop! Stop flipping! Rent right now because that is unheard of." It's unheard of. <laughs> Flipping can be a good business if you can get the right properties. No, I'm just, I, unquestionably, it's a great business up there. I'm just talking about down here right now. If you down can, here, the the prices are crazy, insane. Yeah, in Brock, we just sold a three family for seven hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. One down the street sold for eight oh five or something like that for a three family. Mm-hmm. This is this isn't Boston. This is Brockton. You know. Yeah. Campanelli, like houses with no basements, they call slabs Campanellis. Yep. Uh, Close one for three ninety, which is I've never know, heard 15, that terminology in 13, my life. Thirteen hundred square feet, so it's like the prices are out of control right now. Which 
it's the market. There's only like very limited uh, inventory everywhere. So, I mean, uh, just to expound kind of on that last question, is it, I said, what what is the most important thing you should know about the buying process? Most important thing to know about the buying process, you have to know what you're you're getting involved in. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as what it takes to get the mortgage, what it takes to sustain your mortgage, you know, the escrows, you know, the, the problem is people need to pay attention. And I'm not saying it's a problem, but I wish people would just uh, slow down a little bit um, because a lot of times they're so excited, you know, as they should be, um, that they don't pay attention 100% of the way. They'll forget things that we say, like, that your escrows will always change, mm-hmm. you know. Your homeowner's insurance can go up. You know, your taxes can go up and down, which will change your mortgage. I must do at least a few calls a week on, you know, I thought my mortgage... Uh, was a fixed rate you know why did my mortgage go up and, and people will get a little upset and I have to explain it to them you know and it's fine I, you know that's why I'm telling everybody now it's like just be aware of what you're doing and pay attention because I've seen a lot of people get screwed because they didn't get paid attention and then they come to me for help and I always help them mm-hmm. because that gives me satisfaction to know that I help somebody and uh, help them get through that day and at least put a smile on somebody's face um, so just be careful even if you don't use me you know, I can't be everywhere. You know, I'm just one person. Um, but listen, are, you guys are using him. God damn it, this is him. See that S curl? How could you not? There he is, right there. That's why I was saying earlier the union, that union, the realtor union. Uh, I saw a lot of things that these people do. You know, not all of them. You know, there's some. You know, like everything. There's some good people and there's some bad people. And so, anything- how about like? Hey man, I financed this car before closing. Yeah, see that's the thing. Like <laughs> the first day, the first day that we meet, we we tell people this. We give them a, a laundry list of things of not to do ever until. So after give me that time. list. What the, what you doing? I'll forward that over to you. Forward it. Like we trying to tell the people so they know how to buy a house. <laughs> Honestly, buying cars. It, it, there's some of these payments that I see on these people's cars. I'm just like, why? Once you get pre-approved, don't do shit. Don't do nothing. Don't, don't do shit until your house closes. Don't go buy a new car. Don't go. Don't go put anything on layaway. Nothing. Don't max out your cards. Layaway is still a thing. Don't pay anything late. It's through layaway, Kmart. That's Brockton shit. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's from Brockton, so we fuck around Brockton all the time. The birthplace of Rocket Marciano. That's it. What's the shortest period of time it took you to sell a house? What's that? What's the shortest period of time it took you to sell a house? So I'll give you two scenarios. The day after I got my real estate license, I sold the house. Like closed? Like, no, I, I put on a contract the first day. All right. What's the shortest period of time it took you to close on a house? Oh, close uh, 12 days. So that's a cash deal, you know, as is. Leave all your stuff in the house. Um, that's enough time to get a, a smoke inspection done, a water reading done, get an MLC back, and a title search done. If anybody says they can do it faster, there's gonna be a lot of illegal. I stuff ain't never, there. I ain't never heard that. I, I, if, if if somebody said they can get it faster, somebody died. Somebody Look, got shot. The fastest <laughs> I've ever put a house under contract was 45 minutes. Mm, nice. What's the longest? The longest that it's taken for you to close on a house. So I had a, I had a deal where um, they, it was purposely um, we put the house under contract in like August. This was like 2016. 
or 17. Um, and they were selling two houses in Brockton and buying one in Bridgewater. And they didn't want to close until after like the holidays. It was like the family's last uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving there. So they wanted to spend that last time in their longtime house. Yeah. Um, so I was like, what, five and a half months? Um, but I have a deal, a contract right now that when, and I can't really talk about it as that much because my guy will get really mad if I say anything. But um, it's a seven-figure deal that we put under agreement uh, say about a month and a half ago, but it doesn't close until June of next year. That's so a year. About a year. That, that Woo! Deal. Yep. God, that's this deal's not going on. By the way, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't even remember what we're talking about. What deal? What's your opinion of short sales, foreclosures, and auctions? Do you recommend them for a rookie, and do you like one more than another one? So here's the thing: people go into that. You're going into those houses pretty much blind, except for short sales. Um, so a foreclosure auction is when, so the bank serves you, they give you X amount of days to the auction, they have to make it a public notice. So a lot of times right now, you'll see a lot of it on Zillow as pre-foreclosure, mm-hmm. right? That's going to stay on there for who knows how long until they deem it that the person that's living there or owns the property would have seen it, you know, as a public notice. Because back in the day, it was three times the newspaper in a month, then you can have an auction, Right, so now it's a certain amount of time um, till they deem it uh, that it's been seen. But you go to those auctions, you can't go in the house, right? Mm-hmm. So you gotta have your due diligence. So what I usually do is I look up the history of the sales. So as a broker, I can pretty much look at a lot of stuff that agents can't. Yeah. Right. So I'll find the information, old pictures, things like that. You know, permitting histories before I go to these auctions. Uh, so that way, at least I know. And right now, I wouldn't even recommend going to auctions because there's no, you can't evict anybody. So you, you go to buy these houses and... Oh, you get there, somebody's in there, they're like, hey, motherfucker, there, coronavirus. They're living there, <laughs> they're living there until, until the, the court that we're Holy shit. Yeah, so, you know, you're doing... That's a lot of risk, you know? But that that's uh, probably the biggest reward if you, you're able to carry that house until you can uh, evict whoever's living there or even pay them to leave. Which uh, we've done the, uh, that a few times, you know, off them cash keys. Some Brockton and shit right there too. God damn it! <laughs> you could never do no shit like that, Newton. Listen, I got this amount of money. I'm gonna let y'all leave. Brockton, you could do that shit. Be like, all right, shit, I'm going to Fall River. Then fuck it. <laughs> you know, we we they, we have them sign. They agree. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're gonna leave. Put all their names, everybody's on the mailboxes and stuff like that. Um, but uh, like foreclosures, if it doesn't sell at that auction. Then it goes to foreclosure. So foreclosure auction is different than it's foreclosed, right? So the bank basically buys it back. Uh, they'll hire an agent to list the property. Um, there are some agents that have companies that will renovate the properties to put it on for the most money possible, especially right now where it's such an inflated market. Um, they'll do a lot of the renovations. So that way, first-time buyers, they'll give them the first shot at buying the house. Mm-hmm. You know, so with the first uh, 10 days or 14 days, and then after that, they'll bring it to investors because they're still going to put it on for what's owed to them. You know, they're not going to put it on for five fifty, even if it's worth five fifty. If they only if they only owe two seventy plus fifty for the repairs, they're going to put it on for three twenty. And if you bid it up, it's on you. But uh, the first ten days, they want a homeowner to buy these houses to live in. You know, and these people will be signing like an agreement saying that they won't sell it within a certain amount of time. You know, because they know they're getting such a deal on it. 
Oh, for sure. Like mm-hmm. I, when I was when I was here, I went there's like a program with Tampa CDC where it's like down payment assistance. So I went like, okay, I know on the books, like I don't I make enough money. Well, I don't make enough money for for me to qualify for the down payment assistance. So the way that my income looks. And the way that I file at the end of the year, they look at my income and they're like, no, no, you make too much money for down payment assistance. So then I go to my mortgage, bro- for, to my broker, and they're like, oh, no, you don't make enough money debt to income on the books for you to buy. And I'm like, it doesn't the- make any- that doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm like, because you guys didn't look at this shit well enough. I'm like, trust me, I make enough money. I'm paying $1,100 a month rent right now. So what the fuck is a $350 mortgage? Right. So I had to get a cosign for my, for my first purchase. And that's what's like, yo, this is crazy. So all that shit gets so messed up because obviously when you bring a business into it, depending on how you file it, depending on what you file as your, you know, write-offs, what you end up with at the end of the day affects you when it's time to buy a house. Right. And that's the thing that people don't understand when they have these $800 uh, car payments because they wanted that Acura. You know what I mean? That's eight hundred dollars less you can afford in a mortgage. That's how the the banks look at it. You know, well, if you already have to pay eight hundred dollars for your car, because most people keep paying their car than their house. Oh, unquestionably, yeah. You said that earlier. I I, I had people messing me all the time. I go, yo, you're rich. You, yo, funny story. So within the last year, somebody said I was rich. I'm not even fucking close. I said no. The difference is for me, I drive a fucking Nissan and you drive a fucking Mercedes. It's like you make more money than me. But you're wasting more money than me. And I fucking waste money. So right. for me to say that to you is fucking crazy. Like you're just not paying attention to, to, to what it is that you need to do. If I'm telling you, you know, you're living outside your means, which I'm living outside my means. So if I'm telling you that shit, you're fucking astronomically living outside your goddamn means. So like, that's the funny thing when you said that. It's like, I bring a, a, a brown paper bag lunch basically every day to, to work. Very rarely, I'll go meet up with somebody and, and like buy lunch. Mm-hmm. I look at it like every day I can spend fifteen dollars. You're a cheap motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I just pinch. Bobby, you can't buy me a fucking burger. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just sold you a house. God damn it. <laughs> I'm actually uh, giving out the uh, the rings, the ring cameras now. Um, anytime somebody buys a house mm. uh, with me, which was pretty cool because. Uh, I'm gonna get one for my own house now. I, I literally went to Best Buy and took all of them off the shelf. Yeah, all, Those, my, 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 I, I got that each. shit all over my house. I live in the hood. I need to have cameras everywhere. Yeah, they're only hundred bucks each, but uh, yeah, I pinch on everything. I buy all my uh, winter clothes during the summer oh, when it's on damn, super sales. Want, damn man, I didn't want. I wanted a regular <laughs> motherfucker, not a half Jewish Cape Verdean. <laughs> <laughs> I go to BJ's and stock up on my ketchup. So never that, like, that 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 part's fine, but the other <laughs> shit I don't know about that, man. Um, what should people know about owning a home? The winter. What'd you say? <laughs> I said I buy my summer clothes during the winter. Nah, man. Fuck. You come to Florida, you'll be able to buy whatever you want. All, Florida still has seasons in like Marshalls. You'd be like, what the fuck? It's still yeah, ninety. Uh, yeah, I went to Fort Lauderdale and they have this nice um, outlets over there. I literally went down there and grabbed like as much winter stuff as I could find down there. Oh it yeah, was, like, or, or five, Linda, no, you never five dollars for like Ralph Lauren polos. Oh yeah, uh huh. You know, you never played, you never played in that like the Daytona game in in Orlando area. Orlando fucking has like ten outlets. 
Orlando's nuts. They have every restaurant. <laughs> Listen, they have every fucking restaurant that you ever heard of. High end shit. I mean, they have food trucks too for cheap motherfuckers like you. So you'll be no, fine. But like, literally though, like I've helped. Um, so I have a few girls in my office that work there. They've all they've bought houses because I, I broke down. You got to run your life like a business. You know, money comes in and money goes out. Where it goes out, you have to pick. You know, what's what's most important? Your electric, your gas. Right? Is Comcast really important? No. But I don't if you have cable Comcast, right now. But I'm saying some people will pay that $200 Comcast bill. That's $2,400 a year. Yeah. In five years, there's your down payment for the house. When you that's put everything in that perspective, it looks like so. Like I've had to tell, I have had to pull shit down and go, look. You tell me you don't got the money. Let me show you the money. Yeah, I show out of the, your money. You at the club Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, you tell me you didn't spend like three hundred dollars that weekend. Yeah, you, you ever seen that episode of of the Cosby's where he p- pulls out the Monopoly money and he's like, "Oh, you gonna have a girlfriend? Give me all that shit back." <laughs> it's true. That's basically what it's like when you go in to buy a home. They're pulling all your shit. They're looking at all of it, and you need to go and take into account what is the most important thing to you, and that yeah. should be where you fucking lay your head at night. I, like we like like literally, we're not just trying to help you buy the house. We're gonna get you into the house, but we're also gonna like try to educate you a little bit more. Like, listen. You know, we're seeing your bank statements. If you allow me to look at your bank statements, I can tell you where your down payment's going because you go to, you know, Chili's uh, three times a week, right? And every time you go to Chili's, it's 80 bucks. You know what I'm saying? It's $240. In one month, you spent $1,000 that could have been towards your down payment or towards your closing costs or saved away. Like, you're just blowing your money. And it's For like, sure. you got to have that stuff in moderation. I need to stop going to Chili's. <laughs> so, next question. <laughs> What should people know about owning a home after the process, after closing? What should they do? Make sure you, uh, well, it depends, you know, what time the season is, of course. You know, if you're buying a house towards winter, make sure the outdoor spigots are winterized, things like that. Make sure you change your address right away. Make sure your lights and everything's on right away. Get a security system. Always change your locks no matter if it's a brand new house or whatever, you don't know whoever had that key while they're working on that house. Y'all should be change- writing all this down. That's great information. Keep going. Yeah, Always change your locks and then and plan ahead. I always tell people if you're going to buy a house that has oil, heat, buy your oil in August. Fill up in August when it's the cheapest. Don't wait until November when you're out to go fill up at the highest price. Do it in August. Right? Those are like the small tips that just saves you money every year. And get your furnace serviced in August, then you fill it up. That's like one of the most important things, especially with oil burners. Um, and then look into solar. A lot of people don't like it because it don't look pretty on your roof, but it's going to save you money. There are companies We, li- out- I, we live in Florida. They got Tesla walls and all types of shit here. Yeah, like up, up here, you know, there's some houses you find there's all electric and people, oh my God, it's electric. I'm like, go get a solar company. You might pay like $75 a month, $100 a month for that solar panel, um, but you're not going to have an electric bill. And if everything's running on electricity, you're saving hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. But it doesn't look pretty on my house. You know, people going to think I have an ugly house. That's my plan. I'm going to get all, all People going to think you're an ugly house when your ass is kicked out of it. That's like, for me, it's like, I could save so much money if I had an all-electric house with solar. Couldn't we all? I mean, the, the, they have the shit... <laughs> down in Florida where they're like selling your electricity back to the electric company so it's not the same thing but it, obviously if you can afford you know sustainable property without using electricity as much as you can do that shit I mean it's um, all about saving because you know people have rainy days people get hurt people get sick you know why why fall behind 
Why not be able to save that money for a day? Why not go on that extra vacation or go out to that nicer restaurant? You know what I mean? You nice. save the money now. You're always nicer, need- nicer than Chili's. Yeah, some of the nice chilies. I love chilies though, by the way. Listen, so, chilies in Florida has happy hour, so. Yeah, exactly. The apps are like a dollar or something or two dollars. No, 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 not food, motherfucker. Two for one Tito's all day, <laughs> every day. Two two for one Tito's and soda all day, every day. Chilies and mm-hmm. happy hour in Florida is disgusting. Like they don't. Have, it's it's actually illegal in Massachusetts after prohibition, but here it's like the craziest shit ever. Like I don't even know. But I mean, I, I I eat at some some pretty high end places and cook some pretty high end food. But it's funny because even with that, I've had people message me and tell me, "I see you with your new recipes. You got to be rich to make new recipes." And I'm like, "I cook this shit myself. Like, damn, I'm getting penalized for making my own shit now." Right. So do. just you because my brown bag lunch looks better than yours, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what about contractors insurance? Contractors insurance or mm. just contractors? Two in separate general? Thing. Having a contractor that you can that you rely upon, and then home insurance. So homeowners insurance, you know, obviously shop around. That's all predicated on commission. You know, a lot of people don't know that. Like, mm-hmm. what? Oh, all, all my insurance agent friends are gonna hate me. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> so. Let's just say I'm an insurance agent, all right? And this guy's an insurance agent. I'm going to get the insurance for you from the same place he's going to get it from. I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? Geico, I want to provide Ray some insurance. So instead of you giving me a $100 commission for getting this policy, I'll take 75 And then you so can cut guy, it down. This guy won't take less than 100 So, he's so that's what changes the price. That's what changes the price because you get a better policy, a lower payment, you know. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I remember one time when I was I was looking for a car loan that one of the guys in the dealership called me and said, "Stop fucking applying because you're putting <laughs> too much inquiries on your fucking shit." He's like, "There's only three goddamn major companies that are going to give you the loan, so it's like that for insurance." And like, everybody's going to get the stuff from the same place for the most part, you know. Same thing with mortgage brokers. Um, same thing with the, the insurance people. Same thing with the real estate agents. You know, we can all show all the listings that are out there. Um, insurance, they're all going to get it from either Progressive or Geico or Liberty or Arabella. That's mm-hmm. who writes the policies. They're just the people, that middleman that are doing the paperwork for them. Yep. Really insuring you. It's not like I'm going to insure you with my house if you, something happens to your car. You know what I mean? Like, it's how much are you going to pay me to get my clients to you? with insurance same thing with mortgage brokers you know a lot of people go oh you know you told me you can only get me 250 this guy told me he can get me more i mean how did your credit score go up did your income go up how's he gonna get you more did you pay off your car that's the only way you're gonna get more money yo funny so this is a funny story i'm not even gonna mention this guy's name but we both know him so on facebook it was maybe like nine years ago i saw him go who's got um (laughs) He said, um, who, I got this deal from, from fucking Progressive for my car insurance. And I said to him, yo, the reason that Progressive is usually less because in Massachusetts, for car insurance, you have a number. It doesn't change across the boards of insurance. People don't realize that. So the reason that Progressive is less is for two reasons. One of them is because they only go so far back to look at your moving violations. And the other one is because they fucking drop your windshield deductible. So make sure you didn't drop your windshield deductible. Yep. He act like I he didn't remember, see I it. I had a Mustang that was a 
convertible and I broke the rear rear uh, windshield one time and it was like eight hundred dollars to replace and I was like call Progressive I'm like oh we don't cover that I'm like what <laughs> yo so fast forward five years you call anybody know anybody that can repair a windshield for cheap I said bro I fucking told you the Chantrez was gonna cover it you never told me that so I had to go back on my Facebook and fucking screenshot I go yo <laughs> hey, oh I never saw that well motherfucker now you're looking for somebody to <laughs> redo that windshield um Three more questions for the night. First question being, at what age did you want to purchase your first home? For me, it was 17. And what age did you purchase your first home? So when I was 18, I wanted to buy my first home. And I almost did. Um, I got turned off by the agents that I was working with, who I ended up eventually working with at my first office, right? And then I ended up buying my first house at 23 um, but my old owner had let me move in a year before just to see if I liked the house. Really? Yeah. So what was the age? So I was 23 when I owned my first home. Okay. Nice. Perfect. At this point in life, what is the most important thing to you other than being stingy as shit? <laughs> <laughs> Um, just making for me it's really just making sure that that I'm going to be okay Um, working hard Um, just thankful for life you know you remember when I was on on crutches you know that was a long time for me not knowing where my life was going to go so I'm thankful every day that I'm alive you know so for me it's like I can't let myself down again by not waking up early, by not going hard every day, you know what I mean? By not being a little stingy, saving that money before that I would just blow every day on, on whatever, you know what I mean? So, and I'm, I'm humbled, you know? I'm, I'm thankful every day for everything they have. You know, I don't, I don't uh, feel bad or, you know, some people say I'm lucky, but I'm not, you know? Um, I could have gave up. For sure. I mean, you know, I but what, what people think is lucky is... <laughs> It's like that meme of the iceberg. Like you don't see the the all the shit that you've been through to get yeah, to get to where you're at. Like it, this is a daily grind. There's no weekly paycheck in what I do, right? It's either I sell something or I don't. For sure. Right. You know, with the way that this world is today, like everything could stop. The the market could burst tomorrow, but at least I know I'll be okay tomorrow because I saved. Because I didn't go out to eat the chilies three times God, a week. Damn. So you listen, know, I didn't go to the club every Friday. And Saturday are you night. married right now? No. You got a girlfriend? Yes. What's her name? Jess. Jess. Ocean <laughs> Prime and the Seaport, they got great carrot cake. It's the best carrot cake I ever had in my life. Put that pressure on that man and go get that carrot cake, okay? I'm going to step you outside sure that no. Chili's mode. Sure no, she can have everything she wants. She, <laughs> this is documented she's now. Same as me. She's like, yep, she's cool with what we got. You know, we're good with what we got. We don't no, need any more. I feel you. I'm just fucking around. Uh, last question of the night. God damn it. What do you define as successful? What is successful? I feel like once you're successful, you don't have to go to work every day. You know? So I still don't feel like I'm successful. Um, I I don't even know how to answer that question because I don't even think I'm there yet. I don't even know. Well, I'll pose the question to you the same way I posed it to the last person that asked you. If your 18-year-old self looked at you now, 
would they think that you were successful? They'd be like, holy shit. Exactly. And now you get here and now you're looking at other things like, oh, well, that's successful now. So it changes. It's ever changing, right? Right. Now, now, now the goal is like, um, when you get older, it's like, what do you, what do you, how do you, what do you got to do to be able to live comfortably for the rest of your life? Because how many more years can I do this for? For sure. Right. I, I've, at one year, I took only 10 days off. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't do that. How, how hard can I keep pushing myself? So I got to find where my comfort level is, the money that I'm saving, so that way I can say, all right, you know what? This will last me 10 years or 8 years or 20 years. You can stop grinding every day. You can just relax and just, like, enjoy the life. You know, I don't want to travel the world when I'm 80. Yeah, do, I you mean, do you – so – I had a guy, um, when I was working security, he used to come every weekend and talk to me. He used to say, hey, listen, I import the most amount of blue crab to Florida of anybody. And I have six locations, and I do this, but I don't trust anybody to run those locations. And I'm just a motherfucker making $13 an hour talking to him. This was like two years ago. And I'm, and, and I'm like, why is this guy up here talking to me when he's got all these locations? Because he's looking for my thoughts and my cool. brain power. And, and, and I'm like... You have to put a number on what you're talking about. You have to put a number on what you're looking to achieve. Because if you don't, then you're never going to stop. And he's like, I don't trust people to, to manage these locations. And I don't trust people to do that. And I'm like, so when you got into this, I'm sure one of them would have would, would suffice for what you wanted to accomplish. But now, you're looking for a level where now you can't even fucking comfortably stop. And that doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, even where I'm at now, like, I'm not people look at me like oh I'm successful but that's just because I control my time I don't make a lot of money but I am able to do many things with the way I do it and I'm able to learn new right. things and I'm able to kind of make money while I'm sleeping on some occasions sometimes I'm sold fucking 10 Cam Newton jerseys while I'm fucking at work somewhere <laughs> you know what I'm saying and I'm like oh okay right, I just right. made some good money right there so there's different aspects of it but the problem is like if I was like you I would be rich but I'm not <laughs> not like you. See, the thing is, like, rich doesn't. Like I said, if I was rich, I wouldn't have to go to work every day, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's just never going to stop. You know, this, this is not. It's not about having the most money. I've always, I've sold, I sold a few houses this year for free. I didn't charge anything. Now everybody's going to be like, ah, Lewis, right? I did my mom's house for free, which of course is my mom. You know. Um, I want to sell the most houses. That's what drives me. Because I always look at, like, this person's not better than me. Why did they get that listing? Mm-hmm. Why didn't this person call me? I mailed to them. I called them. I dropped something off of the house. You know? Is it because it's the way I look? Right? Hey, that's a whole nother motherfucking yeah, episode. Because I, <laughs> I got rims on my car and I like some hip-hop music. You know? The, the numbers are there. This is, this is my fifth year in a row selling 100 houses. Who else is doing that? Damn, that's a lot of fucking houses. And, and, and I already had a hundred. You know, I sold a subdivision in East Bridgewater with no marketing, no sign on the subdivision. There's ten houses there, and I got nine of them under contract myself. Right? That's that work. Uh, I want to sell the most. Well, now listen, man. It's not even about the money anymore. No, I get it. It's it's, it's it, there's a competition in everything you do. Obviously, when you're at, when, when you especially when it comes to sports and, and transferring that over, 
Right. Everything is a competition. Everything is a killer instinct. I'm sure when you said Jordan earlier, people in the status went, oh shit, Ray's going to lose his fucking mind because he ain't fucking <laughs> Michael Jordan. But no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my composure so we can talk about real estate. Though, these guys that are semi-pro brothers, what, what are you playing for? Just playing just to play? Some yeah, people's playing for the for the play for the girls that come to the game. One of my one of my coaches, my viral uh, arena coach Donnie Williams, who fucking got a million a million goddamn hits on YouTube, said something as simple as this. He said, "Anybody can go to the fucking store and buy a ring and tell a fake story about it, and everybody will believe that shit. But you, in your own heart, looks at it differently when you earn that shit." And it's the realest shit you could ever say. There's niggas on that taunt team, 30 fucking five of them, they ain't played a fucking snap that I would run a hole through their face. But they still running around with that goddamn ring like it means something special to me when I know I got a ring in life. I don't need a fucking ring on the field. I'm trying to improve people's lives. You're trying to give, you know, do people's closings for free. That shit means more than anything because you're trying to change the narrative of what was thought about um, the process when it comes to buying a home and how hard it is and how much it costs to get some ownership to therefore see in the future, which, you know, maybe we can't, maybe we can't, but we did leave our stamp on it to where somebody can improve their life and improve their family's life going forward. Right. I mean, it all starts with the will to want it. You know, we can't just settle for what we have and think it's never going to change. It's up to you guys to get up and, and go to work and work hard, you know. Back in my day, like I said, I don't know what happened to this society or this generation, but people were scared to work a second job. No one will work a second job. Like, mm -hmm. they're above working two jobs. I don't get it. You know, work hard until you get something that's better, you know, and keep going. Don't be scared to be, you know, take the test, get a, be a fireman, you know. Be a, be a postal, postal workers. My cousin's a postal worker. He's making damn near six figures. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He owns a house. He has his own place that he can do whatever he wants. You know, whether it's your apartment. And that's the thing. People wild out in apartments more than their own house. <laughs> for sure. House. You want to have your little banger for the summer? It's yours. You, you don't have to need permission. You invest in your life. You know, leave something behind for your, your generations. If you're going to have something, or your your siblings, your your mom, buy your mom a house. Do something. Like, yeah. you can't just let this opportunity go by. Right now, like, it is so cheap to borrow the money to buy a house, and you're paying the rent anyways. What's the mortgage rates looking like right now? 2.75%. Yeah, I, I couldn't even refinance right now, re refi right now, because... Corona fucked up my credit. But if you have good credit right now, fucking buy right now. Take advantage of it. You just got to take advantage of it. You got to pay no matter what, where you're living. Why not pay for something that's your own? For sure. Um, I mean, that's the final question of the night. Kind of what I would say to everybody to kind of go off what Lou said last is that um, take the fucking risk and be ready to fail. Because it is what it is at the end of the day. You have one life to live and everybody wants to make all these excuses because they're scared to fail, but... I mean, a failure, you're not really falling that hard if it's something that's as positive as buying a fucking property. So buy that property. Hopefully you take some of the information you learned tonight to kind of understand what it takes to go into buying a property. And, and 
even if you want to get into real estate, you take some of the information that he's given you as what it takes to go into real estate. Because I wanted to kind of give you guys both of, if you wanted to be a realtor, you know, if you wanted to be a broker, if you wanted to be a consumer and buy a home, if you wanted to be a first-time buyer, if you wanted to flip houses, there's different aspects of everything. But um, if you don't step towards them at all, then you're not going to accomplish fucking any of them. Right. You're never not. You're never gonna know until you ask. And don't be scared to ask me, guys. Like I have guys ask me stuff all day long. There is no stupid question, right? Just ask. When I get to you, I'll get to you. You need help. It doesn't matter if you're trying to buy a house now. If you just need help with general credit questions on how to fix it, I fixed my shit from 410 to 640 to buy my first my house again in 2014. You know that's hard to do, but it could be done. I know how to do it. I did it. For real. If you have patients and want to do the same thing and have your own. Let me know. Trust I, me, my, my, I told my kids how to do it. Have they done it yet? No, but they will eventually, and they'll get and they'll get the shit going. And 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 the property that I bought is actually a double deeded lot. There's a whole fucking empty lot on the other half of my property that somebody can put a house on whenever they want. Oh, you should. Uh, we should talk about that privately later. Ah, hey, hello, but Lou, thank you for the information. Thank you for joining us. Um, hopefully, t- people take into the kind of information and move forward. I appreciate you uh, having me on. I enjoy your show. You're doing a good job. You know, just keep it up. Keep at it every day. Don't give up. It'll happen. Thank you, Bob. Let me, uh, let me, there he is right there. <laughs> S. Carl Luke. Call him up with those credit questions, baby, if you're in Massachusetts. Call him if you're in Florida, too. I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? Tell him to take you to Chili's. <laughs> Have a great night, Luke. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a good one. Bye.